It's Thursday, December 28th, 2017, and this is the Defender Podcast. I'm Rick Morton sitting in for Herbie Newell. As 2017 comes to a close, we want to take you back to review some of our favorite moments from the first year of the Defender Podcast. One of our most popular episodes comes from July 25th, 2017, when Herbie sat down with Carla Thrasher, who is the director of Lifeline's China program, um, and they talked about China adoption. And so we hope you'll enjoy this installment of the Defender podcast as Carl and Herbie spend a little bit of time unpacking Lifeline's program in China. So without further ado, here's your host, Herbie Newell. We're grateful to get the opportunity to speak with you today and to tell you a little bit about why we believe that Lifeline is not just an organization or a nonprofit organization or even agency, but Lifeline is truly a ministry that wants to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children and orphans. And by equipping the church, local believers, bodies of believers, and parents to adopt and to disciple children in their homes, to foster and to disciple children in their homes, and ultimately to travel around the world to see churches and communities start to disciple children. And I have the great opportunity today to be joined by Carla Thrasher. And Carla has been at Lifeline for almost 16 years, 16 years this September. Carla will have uh, been at Lifeline for 16 years. And Carla and I had a great opportunity, even on my first day. My first day was the first domestic adoption that I had ever seen. And Carla was the social worker. And we have had uh, just a great friendship, uh, not only a great friendship, but just a, a great opportunity being able to serve together in so many different ways over the last several years here at Lifeline. And so just grateful to have Carla here. And Carla, I just, I want you to talk a little bit about kind of the ever-changing adoption terrain. So obviously Lifeline participates and helps families adopt internationally, especially. And we've seen you and I over my 14 years, over your almost 16 years, certainly the terrain change and things sometimes get harder, sometimes, you know, potentially getting less hard, but it certainly it's in a changing mode right now. And would you just talk a little bit about how you see that changing and, and what those changes mean for families who may be interested in adopting? Absolutely. So like Herbie said, we have worked together for many, many years um, in the realm of international adoption, and we have seen things change. Um, international adoption is always challenging. Um, countries open and close, rules change. Um you know, different different governing or approving entities um, have rule changes which make processes faster, slower, um, rules harder to navigate. Um, the one constant, though, is that there are always waiting children. And even children over, over the past 10-plus years, um, the children that are being adopted internationally, even that has changed a little bit. Um, you've seen children go from... Um, the majority of them may be being younger or with more minor medical needs or even healthy children to the terrain now where you're seeing mostly older children being available for adoption or children with um, more significant medical needs. As we've learned more, too, we've also learned over the course of time that it's not just medical needs or the age of a child, but just the environment that they're coming from, the social training they've had, um, developmental needs 
in most countries may outweigh even medical needs. So our challenge has been over the past, um, like I said, 10 plus years, learning how to prepare families specifically for the current terrain. And if you look historically over our preparation for families, you'll see that those changes are definitely taking place. Um, just with the increase in education or the types of education we're doing, making sure that families are prepared for um, kind of a bigger scope of, of, of possibilities because we're looking at um, medical files that may not be as complete as they once were or even file discrepancies may be becoming more of the norm. Um, but definitely... Our, our, like I said, our role in this is preparing families for whatever that terrain may look like. Yeah, and I, I like, uh, from a spiritual perspective, I think, because we're, we're wanting to equip Christian families, the body of Christ, to adopt. And, you know, a lot of times we like to look at spiritual adoption as a metaphor for this process. And uh, I love what my my friend and, and former pastor David Platt used to say, you know, we are as the body of Christ, not the rescuers, but we're the ones that have been rescued. And, you know, the adoption of our, ourselves by Christ going to the cross took Christ having the right qualifications at the right time. Um, and it was difficult and it was hard. And so I think a lot of times families get into this process, right? And, and they say, well, there are these kids that are there. And why is it so hard when we hear there's 153 million orphans? Why is the process so hard to get these children? And we have to remember that we have to be called to do, go through this process, no matter how hard it is. And part of what we do is we honor governments and their rules and their restrictions. And, and unfortunately, you know, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more tomorrow about China specifically and some of their new regulations. Uh, but as we see adoption restrictions and, and tightening up and the terrain tightening up, a lot of that is because as Americans, we wanted it to be easy and we wanted to make our own way. And so these governments have, have tightened up because they don't trust Americans resolve. They don't trust that Americans will do it the right way. And so I think as believers, the body of Christ, we want to make sure our families, right, are doing it the right way. And so Talk a little bit, Carla, about how we are equipping our families and, and as well, how are we improving the international adoption process for families and, and really helping them understand how to navigate those waters? Perfect. I love how you brought up just wanting to respect these countries and, you know, keeping in mind that just because children are available for adoption, um, it doesn't mean we have rights to them. Mm. Um, and just how especially being a Christian agency, how there's a, a component of love and a component of ministry that we're bringing to this process and how we're looking at the countries where we are adopting children as mission fields. Mm -hmm. We're preparing families to actually be in country for two weeks, six weeks, you know, three months. And the time that they're there, obviously the focus is the child that they're adopting, but it's such an opportunity to impact the people, um, the people that live there, the, the in-country teams that Lifeline has, government officials. Um, for many of those people, we're the only Christians that they may come into very close contact with. And we want to be sure that we are preparing families um, to be gracious and to be grateful for the opportunity that they've been given um, to really use their time there um, to, to further the gospel, however that may look in a specific country. 
And I, I love what you said, and it, it's so true. We don't have a right to adopt these children. We are provided the opportunity to provide a home for them. And and as we even look at that, imagine, and, and, and we really need our families and we need ourselves to approach all of this with great humility. Uh, and, and I think a lot of times, one of the ways to, unfortunately for us, is to put it in our own perspective. And if, as Americans, which most of us are, could you imagine if uh, you know folks from Saudi Arabia were trying to adopt our kids out of foster care and we're mad and upset because we put different obstacles or because we said we want to see a home study or we want to seek a psychological exam. You know, we would go absolutely protect our kids and don't just send them abroad, but make sure that the folks have the right qualifications, make sure they have the resolve, make sure they're not going to take this child over and then dissolve with this adoption. And so because we, in some regards, have been reckless towards the way we have adopted children, uh, a lot of these countries are putting up uh, uh, you know, new restrictions, and that's part of what's changed the landscape. But certainly, I think there's a way that we can show these countries that we're different, right. that we have a different ethic, that we're not adopting out of pure and sheer need. We're adopting because we love their country, we love their nation, and ultimately love the gospel, and we feel led to open up our families and our hearts to another child. So, we we could go all day about ways that we want to be distinct, but you know, Carla, if, if if you were talking to a family today and they go, "What makes Lifeline different? Like, why Lifeline? What 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 are those distinctives? What are some distinctives you would say that you, with your team and with our international team, are constantly trying to instill in them that these are the things that make us distinct?" So I do want to touch on some very practical ways in just a minute. But the first thing I want to say is that we really are approaching this from a a missional mindset. We really want to be pointing our families to the Lord, Mm -hmm. knowing that ultimately it's Him that's going to provide whatever a family needs um, through the adoption process. Once a child is home, um, we're going to do all the things that we can do and that we know to do. But ultimately, it's going to be the Lord that's going to accomplish His will in the timing of the process, in the details, um, in the ups and downs. So I think one of our, I think our kind of first and foremost distinctive is that we are constantly discipling families throughout the process. And, you know, that means that we're praying with families, that we're celebrating with families um, and always pointing them back to let's look at what the Lord has done, not what Lifeline has done necessarily, but let's look what the Lord has done um, and ha- what he has accomplished um, in his perfect time. Some practical distinctives, though, um, I think it's really important that we have um, social workers that specialize in countries because they actually can get to a kind of an, an, an expert level of knowing not just the country, but the people in the country, um, the government officials that we're speaking to, um, our in-country teams. Um, with our, our social workers that specialize in countries, um, something that's really important to Herbie is that we're in those countries um, from a physical, you know, having a physical presence there that, um, you know, at least once a year for most countries, we are on the ground um, seeing the hotels our families are staying in and, um, you know, being in the government building. So we're able to really talk to families firsthand about what this is going to feel like. I think another distinctive is that we truly care for our families. 
I often tell families on the telephone, I really wish you could spend a day at Lifeline and you could hear fam- hear our social workers um, and just our staff in general, not even just our social workers, but our staff knowing you by name and hearing your name um, brought up in, in prayer um, if you're going through a challenging time or hearing your name brought up as a part of a celebration. Um, I think that would take a lot of families by surprise. Um how well our team knows them and just knowing that um, these are women um, that are adopting children themselves so they know the process they know what families are feeling they know the emotional pull of having a child on the other side of the world that you can't get to yet and they act on that they act out of empathy um, another distinctive I think we have is that we are a hand-holding agency. There's never going to be a time that we're going to hand you paperwork and say, you know, finish this and, and, you know, let us know how that goes or, you know, call us when you're done. We're going to walk you through this and we're going to make sure that we're staying a step ahead um, and that we're going before you. And um, if there are any issues or any red flags or whatever that may look like, that we're solving those as we go so that there are no surprises at the end. Yeah, and I think, you know, just to capture this a little bit more is that our team really, we really do realize that at the end of the day, it's the Lord that's going to help sustain these families. And we are are truly bringing these families to the throne of grace each and every morning, praying for them, praying for their children. And and we are in this fight with them. And that's part of being a handholding agency and a handholding ministry is is we're not, you know, just trying to launch these families, but we really want to take them by the hand and walk them through this process. And so just in, in kind of in closing our time, you know, one of the key distinctives and our core values that we talk about a lot, Carla, is is that we want to be a disciple making mm-hmm. ministry. And and certainly we want to disciple children. We want to disciple women who are going through crisis situations and pregnancies. But we also want to disciple our families. Talk just briefly about how you see Lifeline discipling our international families, preparing them and, and how we're just from a biblical worldview, helping them go through this process. So I'm going to take it a step further, and I'm going to share with you guys that probably about three years ago, Herbie and our executive team made a decision that they were going to disciple our staff, that we were going to spend time in prayer together, that we were going to study the Bible together and read books together. And I think that at that point is when I really saw a turning point in our staff. And I saw program directors really kind of catching this vision from our exec staff and really pouring into their teams um, to the point where our teams were then able to really pour into families. And it was just a very, very much a natural uh, a natural happening. Um, you heard more prayer on the telephone calls. You heard or, or you saw more emails going out with, with Bible verses of encouragement. And you truly heard families and social workers on the phone together seeking the Lord's will, um, whether it be the child that they were pursuing or um, an issue that had come up, that, that people were really rallying around um, 
like Herbie said earlier, that, that the Lord was the provision there. It wasn't really going to be about what we did or what we were able to accomplish, but pointing families to the Lord, knowing that if we were pouring into them, they were then able to pour into the children that they were adopting. And it's really neat to s- start seeing all of this really come full circle with families who have experienced that discipleship and are now saying back to us the things that we know um, we've said to them and seeing them being excited about a time where they're taking their children back to their country of origin um, from the point of sharing the gospel um, with with the people that um, their children may have grown up with or orphanage officials or caregivers or whatever that may look like. So it's been really um, personally just a really encouraging thing to watch and to experience. Um, And I'm grateful for just having the hope of the gospel and, you know, really find myself wondering some days, how do families that don't have this hope make it through a process that is so emotionally charged and challenging? And um, I'm very grateful that this is something that we're able to offer our families. Yeah, because we don't want to just have families go through a process and on the other end, here's a child and now they're starting this new journey. But we want these families to be whole so that when this child comes in their home, we can even continue to walk through them so that ultimately they can reach the heart of that child for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and just in one thing we do at Lifeline, we do not wear our faith on our sleeve, but it is in our heart and it's in our action. And, you know, I usually joke, uh, the plumber that you want to come fix your toilet is not the one that uh, has on his app advertising Christian service because typically sometimes unfortunately in Christendom we like to say that we're Christians in order to have grace for bad services but we want to have excellence in everything we do and and we constantly are repeating Colossians 3 23 and 24 to our staff that we're going to be a disciple making ministry but we're also going to do everything right and whatever we do we're going to work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that the Lord is who we will receive inheritance from and is our reward and so we remind ourselves that we are serving Christ. And so if you want more information on Lifeline's international adoption programs, please visit lifelinechild.org. And I know for all of our listeners uh, that know Carla, she is like a superhero and uh, does such a great job loving on our families. And we're happy that tomorrow she's actually going to come back and talk to us a little bit more about China adoption and some of the new regulations in China and how that's changing. And so thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook by going to Lifeline Child or connect with us in any certain way over email by info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.